I guess I'll start. Hey, everybody, I'm Bruce Martin. And I'm his brother, Roger, his older brother. And we're the Inglorious Pastors, which it turns out there's a lot of, a lot more than we thought. It was so original and beautiful until we found there were the Inglorious Pasters. <laughs> Pasters. <laughs> Pasters. Yes. With an E. Who knew? That's why, that's why we didn't find them when we looked up pastors. And were you telling me that it's a couple of brothers and they're all... You've got two brothers and another guy. And they're all ex-pastors? They're all ex-pastors. <laughs> so, it's a, apparently it's a great idea. What I always say is... It's trending. Gr- great, great minds think alike. Of course, that also means mediocre minds think alike. And but simple minds think alike. I like our alike. spelling better. I like our spelling because pastors with the O, yes. pastors, yeah. leads you more to think pastors. Yeah. But there's also an inglorious pastors, too. Okay. So there's a lot of people that are... Why don't we talk about sponsorship? <laughs> Rather than all the ways you can spell pastors? Yeah, there's a lot of ways to, uh, there's a lot of ways to do it. If, so T-U-R-D-S is we, another option. <laughs> we, consci- we, consciously, we conscientiously objected on that yeah, one. Yeah, we didn't go I with didn't, that one. T-U-R-D-S, that, that's... Over the top. No one wants Over to, the top. No one wants to see that. No, well, no. But we are glad to be back. And, and, and speaking of sponsorship... We we have a sponsor, somebody we've already talked about because we love him at length <laughs> and his group, the Abercrombie Group with uh, Keller Williams Real yep. Estate in the Huntsville Madison area. Um, and not that not that Rob didn't like our verbiage, but he helped us a little bit with some stuff. <laughs> About his team that could that could help you. So the stuff he shared with us, what really stood out? To well, you? I mean the thing that I um, eighty percent referral rate uh, from former customers. I mean that I don't know what the business industry standard is, but so that seems awfully good. In other words, if eighty percent of your customers are coming back regularly, that's a big deal. It's well, like if eighty percent of the people that listen to our podcast come back, that's a good thing. And we appreciate referrals. That's good. Referrals are good. Hey, and the other thing that I thought was interesting from the stuff that Rob, he's in the top one to two percent of Huns of Huntsville Realtors, year after year after year, which is pretty amazing. So, yeah, no, that's that's very good. Um, and they've got a lot of experience. They've got a lot of experience in it. I, I mean, I've like, lived in Huntsville eight years now. Okay. They've got twice as many years of that experience selling houses. Twice as long as I've lived here, so that just also seems like a long time. That's a long time, and they do a lot of market studies, and so they help people understand when is the best time and what is the right price to sell a house or buy a house. So that's part of the reason that they're in the top 2% and why 80% of their business comes from referrals. So if you want to know more about uh, the Rob Abercrombie team with Keller Williams, uh, when life has you on the move, I like That was good. Call Rob Abercrombie at 256 256- Six five two ninety five hundred, or you can visit them at their website www.relocatetohuntsville.com. Did you notice? This is so. Did you notice that phone number? Two five six six five two two five six in reverse. Then oh. the ninety five hundred. Is that cool? So I'm just saying, if you that'll lock make that it in easy. your in your head, that'll make two five six. That's our area code. Turn that around. Six five two. 
9500. We ought to make a little song about that at some point. A little ditty. Not today. 256652950. I'm so sorry, Rob. Okay. But that we do want that to stay with you. And thank thanks Rob to your whole team for sponsoring. This is episode 7 now of Inglorious Pastures. And I wanted to come back and I wanted to make a I'm going to make a clarification. It's different than a correction, which I had to do before because I had the wrong <laughs> real estate company, which is bad. But a clarification is, so if I went back and I watched... What, what are you clarifying? So, oh, a past episode. Past episode. Okay. So I went back and I watched... I actually go back and watch the episodes. Do you watch the episodes? I have gone back and uh, to just see if after I've recorded them, if the sound quality is good and whatever. Oh, I'm looking for content. <laughs> Although every now and then it's, it is good for a laugh and just to see, you know, so. So when I go back and, and look at them, a couple of things happen. Several times I'm horrified, but then other times I just laugh. I mean, because it's funny to me. But I wanted to make a clarifi clarification from episode five. So I know you don't want to go back to this and revisit it, but here we go. This was in the, church, this was in the church signs episode where Jesus and germ because Jesus and germs are everywhere. So that was, but that's not the clarification. The clarification was in case anyone out there thought that I was making light of hell when I talked about, hey, I've seen these signs that say, you think it's hot here? You know, this got pictures of, of hell and flame and all that kind of stuff. I'm not making light of hell. The reason I think that's an unhelpful church sign is because of what it potentially communicates to a person, not an existing believer already, but what it potentially communicates to a non Christian or a person that, that, maybe feels very disenfranchised from God. It's interesting because you'll also see this sometimes on street preacher kinds of signs, uh -huh. repent or burn. Right. But interesting that when Jesus came to earth, his first message was repent, and I think with a smile on his face, the kingdom of heaven is here. Yeah. One is invitational. I mean, that's a great, that's a great church, church sign. Turn to God because his kingdom is here and he's inviting us into something. One is a threat. And so that's why I when I when I talk when I make light of that church sign those kinds of church signs I'm not like making light of hell and I told Roger I want us to do at some point an entire podcast just talking about the reality of hell because it's something that a lot of Christians don't want to talk about but I'm not making light of that I'm just saying it's unhelpful because when Jesus came to earth he was inviting us into something not threatening us with something and so when I see signs that feel more like a threat about God's going to get you I just don't think that's helpful I want to I want to live my life and I want to communicate in such a way that I'm always inviting people into the kingdom, into the community, into the love of God because you know I've argued for years because I grew up in a little bit of a culture that was more that was that would a lot more hellfire and brimstone oriented in their preaching and over time I realized for even for me as a child the way that I processed that was as a four, let's say as a 4-year-old because that's when I was baptized uh, as a four-year-old, let's see, do I want Jesus or do I want hell? Well, even a four-year-old can make that one, can make that call. I'm like, Jesus or hell? Hell's bad. I'll go with Jesus. So, again, that's... Ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. Yep, you win yep. the prize. Great so, answer. it wasn't until age 22 that I actually began following Christ and, and receiving this invitation into the kingdom. And it wasn't driven by a fear of hell. It was driven by the love of God, the grace of God that invited, that, that, as Jesus said, drew me in to the Father. So that was my clarification from, in case I lost anyone in episode five, or you were like, what in the world? Not making light of hell. I am I'm making light of the way sometimes that we portray God in those signs. So 
That's my clarification. I think you're, rather than making light, I think you're making big the grace of life with God. Yes. And for me, that's the gap, um, is um, the worst thing about hell. And again, there's a lot that we don't understand, and, and that can be even another conversation. Right. Hell, yeah, I think there's, it a needs lot, to be. there's a lot of things that, uh, but whatever all of hell is about, Hands down, the worst part is being shut out from a loving God. Yes. Where we can make the case where you've sort of shut yourself up. That's the biggest tragedy. Whatever the temperature of hell is, that's not the, you know, it's a, a is going to, you know, that one of is, do you want to miss out on life with the God who made you? And and design the beautiful things around you and life for you to enjoy. Do you want to be shut off from the source of all goodness and joy and yes. blessing? The idea that somehow the worst part of hell would be the temperature or some kind is is actually I think missing what's really at stake. So to right. me, you're not it's missing. You're just not minimizing something. You're actually saying let let's let's turn the spotlight. Yes. On, on this message of Jesus, the Father wants to be with you. He's welcoming he wants prodigals. He wants prodigals yes. to repent and come home to the Father's house. The far land, the hell you've been living in, the and right. um, and the hell you could end up with. That it's it's a it's life apart from this wonderful Father. So that's the part that really resonates with yeah. me. Right. Um, and I think we have to keep pressing into that because that other vision for some seems to be about the only thing that's being talked about. Well, and what's interesting, when I thought more about it, because I was thinking about this this morning, even when I think about when Jesus did talk about hell or when Jesus talked about judgment, it was often in relation to religious leaders who thought they were in the game. I mean, who really thought they had it all. Yeah. And then Jesus would say, like, understand this, your careless words and your dismissiveness of the Holy Spirit and, and his work, you know, because they would attribute mm -hmm. things that Jesus did to demons. He said, understand, those words will condemn you at the, at the, at yep. the end of the day. And he was talking to very religious people. So enough of that. Um, what did you want to talk about today? It's Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Did everyone else know that it was Juneteenth? When we're, the day that we're recording when, this, it's when, Juneteenth. So it's June 19th today. Yep. Do you remember when you first learned about Juneteenth? Monday of this week. <laughs> well, I've known about it for almost a year now. Okay. Tell, <laughs> tell our listeners what it is, and, and I can even tell you why I didn't know about it. That may be more fun than me talking. But if we're, <laughs> if we're thinking about, even we think about, what's July 4th? Declaration of Independence. Uh, so this is that we celebrate our freedom from what felt like the tyrannical, oppressive rule of the British. Um, so that's a big day. It's a national holiday. Uh, we that's a very big anyway. So Juneteenth is other goes by the Emancipation Day. Yep, we'll clarify that. But Emancipate it is when. Our black and brown brothers and sisters celebrate an announcement that was made in the state of Texas, in Galveston, Texas, on June 19th, 1965, 
announcing from the federal government that slaves are to be freed. Now, some of you that know your history are thinking, wait, the Emancipation, Emancipation Proclamation. Proclamation in the middle of the Civil War, right after the Battle of, do you remember which battle it was? Uh, no. Gettysburg. So, the, the uh, Emancipation Proclamation said that all slaves were freed. There was a little problem that the Confederate states weren't really taking anything the federal government said with any seriousness at that point. So, Well, because they had officially seceded from the federal government. Right. So, we're not listening to that. So, our slaves are not freed. Um, the announcement that uh, Confederate, that slaves in Confederate states would be officially declared free um, in a state which I think at that time had about a quarter of a million slaves in the state of Texas. Um, this is after the Emancipation Proclamation. Right. You have a, almost a quarter million slaves in the state of Texas. So now it's a huge celebration. So, and, and literally, and I'm not kidding, I literally found out about it, it this week like on Monday of this week, and I was reading, I was like, oh, my goodness, night, uh, you know, Juneteenth. I wasn't familiar with that, and so I had to do some reading about that. And I realized, again, this goes back to <laughs> the white bubble that I've lived in most all of my life, where if you asked me about what's, if you'd even asked me about what, what day is D-Day, like Normandy and all that, I would remember that. Uh, July 4th, I remember that. But this was not a date that was in the schools that I grew up in or in the circles that I ran in that was even celebrated. And it was interesting, and I was reminded of it this morning. So it came up in my Google calendar, and I was glad to see this, as a major holiday, because Google automatically puts things. So when in, I, te in the state of Texas, it is a it is okay. an official holiday in the state so of Texas. So when I woke up this morning, I looked at my phone, and I said, Juneteenth. It was already on my calendar. So And I'm having an opportunity now. I've been invited with by another group of friends to, to write. It's called Freedom Writing tonight, and we're going to be writing about the import of that day um, and what it means for us now, and I'm excited. I'm excited to be a part of that group tonight. But I, but again, I didn't know about it until this week. So when did you, you find me, out about Juneteenth? Well, let me. I'm, I'm going to go a different direction here. Okay. I'm going to suggest another reason why we might not have heard about Juneteenth. Roger, why don't why don't you suggest another and, and, reason and here's that we where may not have heard about? This Juneteenth. is a more serious. We have okay. our moments here. Um, <clears throat> But the reality is, our great-great-grandfather owned about 95 slaves yep. in the state of Missouri. Um, kills me to say that, um, but, but it's true. in 1965, when the war was taking off and where our family uh, lived in the state of Missouri, um, there's a point where the Northern forces came in, um, and um, most well the the slaves then that our family owned um, escaped, were freed, whatever. And actually, our family interestingly fled to Texas right around the same time that Juneteenth would have been declared. Tragically, our family would not have been celebrating Juneteenth because that wouldn't have been seen. Um, this marked the end. It's just so hard to say. This actually marked the end of a very prosperous um, trade in human life that's a part of our own family history. Um, so it's not shocking to me at all that we didn't hear 
anything about Juneteenth. Juneteenth. And it's and now for us it's it's sobering. The data sobering in a different way. In fact, did a lot of reading this week. Uh, I think it was actually I think it was U.S. Grant Gen General Grant that went in a, in on that campaign in Missouri. Okay. So that was one of his early campaigns because then he was he wasn't even I don't think a brigadier general general at okay. that point, and of course later became the whole, you know, Army of the the United States. It's another. It's a whole nother talk that we'll have at some point. But just really fascinated by Ulysses S. Grant. I didn't know this about him. He was listed at, for a while. He was listed like the thirty eighth. President, in terms of rankings of, of how well they did or poor they did, he's risen up to number 21 because of the work that he did right after the Civil War in Reconstruction to help freed slaves, the the civil rights stuff that he enacted. All the, this is a, it's a whole other conversation, but I was, a, I was fascinated to see the things that he put in place and how quickly they were eradicated within several years. And again, that's another conversation, but... Right. Anyway, Juneteenth, we're celebrating that today, and we wanted you to understand why that's a big deal and should be a big deal. Yeah, it's a, and so it's a worthwhile. It it if you if you're gonna say July Fourth is we might even call it Independent Freedom Day. You yeah. understand? We finally felt free. Well, there's a second layer of freedom, uh, second Freedom Day, that is a core part of our American history, and yes. it's a day we should be celebrating. Learn more about it. Hopefully, we've said a couple of things that yes. that are uh, helpful in that regard. Cool. So, Juneteenth, <clears throat> I've been re well. I've, I've been part of what I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about what I want to talk about. That's for just a minute. Really, why we started this show. I mean, when, in your most honest moments, that you've said this was a show of you talking and me saying, I think that's a great thought, Bruce. That's not true. Actually, when I first envisioned this, Roger wasn't even in the picture. Roger was behind the camera shooting things. I was saying really, I was saying very important things, and Roger was nodding in agreement off screen. This is where Bruce wanted me to be in the early pilots of nope, the show. They can still see you in the peripheral. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay. There, there, that's that's perfect. No, come on back, Roger. <laughs> no, I was. I've been reading in Matthew. This is where I'm. I'm. I'm journeying right now. So. Some of you that know me know that wherever I'm reading, whatever books I'm reading, nonfiction or fiction, whatever books of the Bible that I'm reading, whether Old Testament or New, I'm always in the Gospels, always reading something in the Gospels. So I just go through a, a, a constant cycle of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, moving around. But right now I'm, I'm in Matthew, and I just read this week the, the parable of the soils. And for years, you know, I've been teaching this. This is where, well, the soils, it's the same seed. But it's, the, it's four different soils. And for years when I've taught this, I've taught it a certain way to Western American culture, which was this. So Jesus talks about seed that's thrown on the path. That's the person that hears about the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. But they don't understand it or they don't apply it. And like the birds of the air pull the seed, they said that he says that Satan just takes it away and they, they forget that they even heard it. Then it talks about seed that's sown among the rocks or gravel in our, in our context. And immediately it springs up, you know, and, and, it, and Jesus said, that's the person that hears the gospel of the kingdom and at once receives it with joy. But as soon as trouble or persecution comes because of the word, because of the gospel, they quickly fall away. They so don't, they the, don't bear fruit. When you say that, it reminds me, <laughs> I hope I'm not getting, but when we live, when granddad and our, we lived on the farm in Murfreesboro. Yeah. That ground was real rocky. Yeah. You remember how rocky it points? Oh, Even yeah. out some of the fields, whatever, you'd have, um, and I always had to work around that. So whenever I, I just remember, when I heard about that rocky, so I always think of Murfreesboro. Well, 
and you had to do a lot of tilling. You remember oh, garden, yes. we had to do a lot of tilling right. just you, to get the rocks unlodged and out of the way so that something could grow. Right, exactly. But I never, I never specifically, as a, for the 23 years I was pastoring in an American church, I never really used that, that soil as the primary one representing the American church. It was the third soil, which was, Jesus said, there's also seed that's thrown on good soil, but there's a bunch of weeds there. In other words, the good soil can bring bring about weeds too. They're 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 growing off it. We also had those on the farm. We also had lots of those on the farm. In fact, that was the that was a consistent that was a consistent threat from our grandparents when we were getting sideways with each other. I'm gonna put you on the hoe handle. Put you on the hoe handle. What that meant was we would be out hoeing weeds weeds for the next several hours in the hot sun not fun so which we did sometimes even when we weren't screwing up it was just like okay it's hoeing time time to get on the hoe handle our grandmother would also say stop scuffling on the divan is this a divan really technically it's a a, it's a futon we affectionately here at invest your life ministries call it the blue ton because it's blue futon and i realize even as i'm looking my shirt merges with it so you have no idea where i start and the couch starts we're not scuffling on it grandma just letting you know because if we were ever scuffling on the divan (laughs) we'd be on the hoe handle handle. so i'm going to try to can you get back (laughs) so this this seed jesus talks about that's thrown among that's thrown among weeds it it springs up but the weeds end up choking it out so it doesn't bear fruit and jesus said that's the person that that is trapped by the worries and anxieties of this life, the desire for other things, the deceitfulness of wealth, and it keeps the seed from becoming fruitful. Then Jesus talks about a soil that's been weeded, that the rocks have been taken out of, but it's good soil. And Jesus talks about a person who understands the message of the kingdom and then bears fruit 30, 60, or 100 times more than what was sown. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm going to talk to you about. I wonder if there's a shift that's going to take place or that is taking place in the United States right now where it is, we're going to be more defined by this second soil because of persecution that comes because of our belief in the kingdom, because of how that affects what we believe about nationalism, because of what, how that affects the way that we vote, uh, because that affects, because the kingdom affects our political views. In other words, we're not we're not separating those because the temptation, I think, in American culture is to separate my political views or, or, or voting or all that from the kingdom of heaven, and I just can't do it. And I realize I've taken already some heat for that and might possibly take more. Okay. And is it possible that in this season, because Jesus talks about when persecution or trouble becomes because, become of, the, because of the word, this person becomes unfruitful. Anyway, it was convicting to me Hey, I want to keep bearing fruit, even if we're going through a season of rocky soil, even when political views seem to be in competition or even antithetical to kingdom principles, are we willing to call that out? Are we willing to talk about that? Because it's going to lead to persecution, which I don't want, but I realize that's part of what it means to follow Jesus. And here you're talking about persecution as in... Christian people, yeah, religious Christ- folks who who cut you off, who because you're going against um, because I might be going against the the evangelical right status quo status quo. This, this is this is what you're supposed to believe. This is the party in. line. This is the there you go. The party yeah. line of the evangelical Christian yeah. is. You're against this, you're against this, you're against this, you're for this, you're for this, you're for this. Right. Because, and, of course, God is. Because God is. 
And where I where I stand on those things, and you'll even look see this on my Facebook page. You know, I call myself a Republican, which means I'm neither Republican or Democrat. When I vote, I vote according to conscience, and I vote yep. as best I can according to the the principles of, of the kingdom of heaven and what Jesus shares. And of course, Jesus's heart. We we talked about this several times. Jesus's heart. Jesus's focus was always on the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, the persecuted, the left out, the lost and the least. So when I'm voting, I that is at the forefront of my mind, not the not necessarily the economy or or pet peeves or projects that have been positioned by certain conservative evangelicals for, even for years now. We we grew up just again context we grew up, our grandfather was part of the moral majority, you know, Jerry Falwell and that, that whole mm -hmm. thing, and that was a big deal. So I remember even at our college, do you remember this? When Ronald Reagan yes. came to Chattanooga, Tennessee and in, spoke. In our gymnasium. In our gymnasium, spoke at, at, at spoke yep. at, I was in, I was in high school then, I guess. We felt very important, I mean, that we was felt, a very, Well, I mean, yes. Ronald Reagan, for heaven's sake, is coming to talk at our thing. At our, at our little school. But I realized only later we had we had grown up in a culture where, where politics and nationalism were attached to God as though they were one and the same. I remember every single day in my Christian elementary school, the first year I was in a public school, but, but second grade through sixth grade, we would do the Pledge of, the, Pledge of Allegiance to the, to the flag, the American flag, every morning, first thing. You know what we did second thing? Little thing called the Pledge of Allegiance to the Christian flag. In that order. In that order. <laughs> and I realize as I've grown up, I, I think we may have had those out of order. The flags got a little too close. They, well, it's just in it. So then that may be a whole nother, another <laughs> right. discussion for another day. But the bottom line is where, where it convicted me is whether through persecution, because in the early years of my, of my following Jesus, God had to, get, God had to weed, weed out of my life a lot of the things that he talked about in the parable with the weeds the desire for other things, the, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth. I mean, I was just extremely materialistic. I wanted to make a lot of money. So that was more of my story. I realized in this season of my life, I could be, I could be tempted to be unfruitful because of persecution or trouble that comes to me because of the word. Yeah. And I don't want that to be the case. Yeah, good. Yeah, I, you know, I, <clears throat> I'm listening to you talk um, and at one level, that parable of the, um, you know, the parable of the sower it was called, but then some people have now, the parable of the soils. Right. And, and the idea, be, um, the fruitfulness had to do, it seems, with the heart. Mm -hmm. What is the kind of soil? And I think about how often Jesus, how often the scripture comes back to the heart. It's not the externals. It's not what things look like on the outside. Right. In fact, you don't end up seeing the heart till you start seeing the fruit, and and so that the so if the fruit's getting choked out, well, there's a heart issue. It's it's actually less about the weeds or the rocks. It's the soil itself. What kind of heart do I have? And what hit me as you're talking because this has been something God's been. Jesus says some things that are wonderful, and then He says some things that are really haunting if you think about yes. them very much at all. And one of them, he talks about the future. There's a point he's talking, um, 
with disciples and other people listening, and he said, you know, there's going to come a day when there's going to be more persecution, yep. and there's going to be, and it's going to be hard times, and people are going to hate you because of me, uh, and things we're seeing um, big time around the world in many countries. Yeah. I mean, again, people being killed, imprisoned, yep. whatever, simply because of Jesus and following him, whatever. And we haven't hit that kind of thing. All I'm saying, so Jesus is saying, there's this point in the future where you're going to see that. Now, some of them would see that in their lifetime. Yeah, right. Peter and James and these guys, we're going to see that. But it, this kind of history. And he's talking about that day and that hour. And then he says this. Um, he said, because of an increase of iniquity, the love of many yeah. will grow oh. cold. Um, Matthew, I think that Matthew 24. 24. Yes, yeah. just that's to me it's such a sobering word because he talks about all these. The, the world is getting worse and worse and worse, and because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most. Most in, in the in the translation. Yeah, the, yes, no. The love of King most James version will, we grew up was many, but now the yes. love of most will, will grow, grow cold. cold. And and so I listen to that and I say, grow cold. It means at some point that love had some heat to it. At yeah. some love that had some passion. That and immediately. This also takes me to the book of Revelation, these letters to the churches. And you have a, a letter to yep. the church in Ephesus yep. where, and this just comes what you were saying that just hits home for me. So in the beginning of the book of Revelation starts with these seven letters, which are these words from an angel of the Lord to a particular church. And most people feel that it was a church in that time, but it also reflects a message to the church down the road through history. Right. So there's a word to the church in Ephesus. And remember how that starts. He's talking about how well they're doing. You know, you have a concern about false prophets, and so you're testing what people are saying. You're making sure it's true. And he's like, good for you. And he said, you know what? <laughs> did he do a little thumb like that? <laughs> I think he did. Good for you. Good for you. Bully. Bully um, <laughs> Roosevelt. That's awesome. And then he says, and you've been patient. And your perseverance. And I'm looking and saying, these are all amazing yes. qualities. And he said, but there is one thing. You've left your first love. And again, this is like the words of Jesus where, wait a second. He's saying, you can have your theology right. You got the gospel right. You've got you've got the and and you're and, vetting you're vetting theology correctly, right. and you're making sure false teachings not coming in. You're pay, you're working. You're hard working, right? And again, that could be so much of the church we've been a part of, whatever. Yeah. And then he says, "But you've left left your first love," and it's this thing. As Christians, as a Christian church, we can start losing our heart. The love of many will grow cold. And I don't know. I'm just getting this feedback from a lot of people in this season of that, boy, it seems like things are getting harder and yep. and people are getting harsher and uglier and people are getting more divisive. And, and, and it's like... It's not good. Is that what Jesus was talking about when he's saying... It could, I mean, could that... At the very least, it should be begging the question, which is what's happening in my heart. God, don't let that be me. Right. And I, when I when I read that passage, and I love the take that you're giving. That's a little different take than I've had on that that passage. You know, I always go back to what John says in in First, Second, Third John when he talks about the love of God. 
and he talks about we know and rely on the love that God has for us. And it says that we love him because he first loved us. And so when I think about first love, it always takes me back to my love relationship with God. In other words, I can I can be serving God. I had a friend talk to me about it this week, interestingly enough, who's, who, who served on a church staff for years. And her words to me were, because of COVID-19 and other things, she goes, it's interesting. I'm finding I'm able to enjoy my love relationship with God without working for God right now. And I sent a note back and just said, that's, that's a good thing. That, I mean, that's a good thing that's coming out of this COVID thing where the, the church can't gather in the same way and church staffs can't gather in the same way. But that is, in my mind, that is God calling her back to this first love. So, yeah, the love of most will grow cold and then go back to Revelation. You've, you've lost your first love. I don't ever want to get there where I lose the import of my love relationship with God, the grace of God in my life, the... Yeah. Even even more and more when I when I pray now, I find myself, and some of this is even related to some of Roger's teaching about the Lord's Prayer. But I find myself praying more and more the Lord's Prayer, and it, it's interesting. It is the way that Jesus expressed it—a communal prayer. Yeah. Forgive us our sins. <clears throat> but I I've I have expanded so much more on this whole this this understanding of what daily bread is, because Jesus would say, "Man doesn't live by bread alone, but on mm-hmm. every word that proceeds from the mouth of God." My first love, my love relationship with God, really is—it's this daily bread thing. And it's not just provision. I need that. I know we, we need to take care of our families. But it's really, I come to the Lord going, I need a word. I need to hear from you because you are my lover. You're my first love. It, what you say matters most. What what I hear from you affects me most. And so for me, it's that, don't Bruce, don't lose, particularly when the world gets worse and worse and worse. I. It, it would be easier for me, when, as the world gets worse and worse in some ways, to understand how a person could become slowly but surely an agnostic or an atheist mm. because they begin to wrestle with the question, how could a loving God allow yeah. Seems like in the blank? Yeah. But then I read a book last summer that was so good, so good, uh, by Viktor Frankl called Man's Search for Meaning. And in that book, Roger, he argues, he was in the co- concentration uh, yeah. camp at Auschwitz, Jewish man who's in a concentration camp for years. Horrific, yeah. He argues for the existence of God in this concentration camp because any time he saw anything good that happened, including one time when a guard gave him a small extra portion of soup, that to him proved the existence of God, that there was anything good. And it really flipped the script for me. Mm. Instead of, you know, understanding the argument, well, how could a loving God, it's this, how could anything good come from from this except that God is good? And anytime we see good or we see justice or we see someone being cared for, it's just, again, this evidence, even that a person in, in a concentration camp could see, that to me shows the love of God, that, that God is real and that God loves me. So it's a great it's a great read if you haven't read that. I mean, it's a classic yeah. in one sense. Man's Search for Meeting by, by Viktor Frankl. You know, I know... Um, last time, or one of our last, maybe it was the last video, we, we talked about a dangerous prayer, and it's not like we're going to have a dangerous prayer feature, you know, every podcast. I'd rather we didn't. <laughs> right, because some of the past ones have, are still hitting us over the head. <clears throat> but, but, but a prayer that I just think in this season, God, am I losing my love? Yeah, could I be that most? Um, could I be that person that I've left my first love? Because I think, 
I want to immediately say, and so I'll read the word, well, that's not me. Of course, of course that wouldn't be me. And I think almost like Peter, Peter says, Jesus says you're going to die. And he's like, no, no, it's like, but here Jesus says the love of most. Yeah. That's a lot of people. And I can't take myself out of the most, that word, because that's most. So I have to, I'm, I'm just, I guess I would encourage just, that's a prayer to mm. God help me. And in this season, and I just want to, I just think about so many friends that we have growing up in the Christian church, whatever, but in all the things that are happening, yeah. um, is it possible we're losing our heart? And I've heard a couple of people just recently, you know, when, when it comes to the, the race question, have we just so cut ourselves off to, um, to walking in the shoes of our black and brown brothers and sisters, when it comes to immigration, is it possible we've lost part of our heart? Is it when we, when it comes to um, whatever in our evangelical community we're thinking about uh, gay or trans or um, whatever the fact is? Remember, God said, you know, what to this church? Your theology's right, but something has happened to your heart. Even mm. if the, the, even if our theology is right. I think so many times I'm just seeing a place where I'm just saying, are we losing our heart? And this isn't me so much wanting to point to everybody else because God right. has first directed the question to me, Roger, are you losing your heart? And I don't, so I just think that's just a good, I just think it's a I, good prayer. It's a great word. I want to give you another resource because I think part of, part of our responsibility as communicators is to share what we're learning, but also to good. put you in touch with resources that are really being helpful. Uh, uh, so a resource that's available right now that's that's very that's very helpful to the whole, particularly the race discussion. It's it's done by Phil Vischer, who was the he, interesting enough he was the creator of VeggieTales back in the day. Oh, that okay, it's fascinating. But he has a he has a, a YouTube channel called uh, and a podcast called Holy Post. But he does a, he does a 17 minute video called on racism, and it's watch one it. of the watch it. It's one of the best 17 minutes, even to understand some things that you did not know that were happening in our country all the way to the mid-80s. Because he talks about redlining, which in Chattanooga was still in place all the way up until 1987. If you don't know what that term is, again, you need this is where we need to educate yep. ourselves. Yep. But you need to watch that video, Holy Post, uh, Phil Vischer on racism, 17 minutes. He tried to keep it short so that he wouldn't lose anyone, but it was one of the best just just quick learns about, oh my goodness, because I saw some things in there, even about even about housing and the disparity in, in housing for black families and white families and how that came out of the GI Bill. One of the, the statistics that he shows is of the 3,200 uh, home loans that were made to GIs that were coming out of, the, out of the war in the state of Mississippi, only two of those went to black families out of 3,200 and something. So just some great stuff to make you go, maybe for the first time, I get it. So watch that. What else? We got for them resource-wise this week. Resource. Read the Bible. <laughs> My, Matthew, I think, I'm in Matthew 12 or 13 right now. Good stuff. Read, read even read, read the parable of the soils and, and, and wrestle with, yeah, what, what, you know, where do I find myself? What soil do I find myself in this season? Am I, am I in a really fruitful season or do I, do I, am I sensing the prompt of God and I'm letting the birds carry it off and I just sort of forget yeah. it or miss it? Because I think God's always provoking us in the kingdom. There's always this this new thing that he's teaching or that he's moving us toward. And sometimes because I'm not ready to go there yet, I just sort of, 
<laughs> not listening because I don't want to go there yet, but I don't want to lose, you know, what, whatever God's teaching me in this season. So that's one resource. If, if you're planning to move, if life is on the move, if you are actually thinking, then I've got, we've got a resource for so you. We've got some good news. <laughs> Wait, I would shout me, out John Krasinski. Because um, I was thinking about this. How many, do you know how many times you've moved in your lifetime? I mean, from one house to another house. Roger, I have moving violations. Remember, <laughs> I mean, of course. Do I remember how many times? Okay. One, I, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think I'm in my tenth house. I, that's, that's childhood and everything. I'm, I think, at 18. Wow, you Roger. Roger does have moving violations. <laughs> so, but, eighteen houses. Right. I realize. I think we've owned five or six, uh, but moved to lived in, I believe, eighteen different houses. Um, now, of course, I started born in Chicago, lived there two weeks, moved to South Carolina, then moved to Missouri, then moved to Colorado, then moved to Chattanooga. Three houses in Chattanooga, got married, two more houses in Chattanooga, moved to South Carolina, two houses, moved to Massachusetts, two houses, moved to Madison, Alabama, one house, moved back to Massachusetts, two houses, moved to Connecticut, one house, then moved back to Huntsville, where we now live for the last eight years. Um, if anyone ever needed the Rob Abercrombie team with Keller Williams, <laughs> it's this guy. I've lived in the same house. You're, I, this is what's interesting about my the season of life I'm in. I've been in the same house for 14, this is our 14th year. Wow. That's the longest I've lived in any house ever. Like, like Almost as long as Rob and their team have been, have in, business, been, have been in business, which is 15 pretty, plus. Which yeah. is pretty amazing. Here's the other thing about the Rob Abercrombie team that I love. Because when I think about buying or selling a house, because Marlene and I were looking at some homes, and, we were like, and I talked to Rob about this this week, the whole process seems daunting. But the word that they use is they try to, the Rob Abercrombie team tries to make it a seamless situation for you. Because when I think about all the things you have to coordinate, you know, with loan officers and uh, you have approvals and you have inspections and you've got all the, the letters yet. I mean, Rob Abercrombie and his team handle all of that for you. They make it a seamless process. So if you're looking to make a move, particularly here in Huntsville, go to www.relocatetohuntsville.com. Hold on a second. I'll bet some of you actually remember the phone number. I remember the first part. Okay, so Two. our area code here. In the Huntsville area is 256, so the rest of the number is? Mirrored. Mirrored. 652. And then a fun big number. 9500. 9500. We've got to do a ditty. 256-652-9500. We'll work on the ditty for next time. Don't do not do a ditty now, please. <laughs> please, ask. No, don't do a ditty. Abercrombie is the way to go. <laughs> Called call six five two you're, nine five you're, oh, oh. Mirror, you're mirroring somebody else. We don't we don't want <laughs> we oh, don't dear. want people going to those people. No, sorry. Yeah. Rob Abercrombie. Rob and his team. They're Call wonderful. <laughs> and they're sponsoring us, so we may be talking about them more. You want to work with them. So, uh, episode seven, I think we're done, unless you have any parting words. Um no. Happy Juneteenth. Um, Even celebrate safe. Listening to this in July, very likely. <laughs> We're done there.